Would you pray with me this morning, God? We are, we are blessed to be in your very presence in this room. Lord, and as Ben has read scripture, Lord, we are thankful this morning that as we celebrate, you celebrate with us. Lord, as we mourn, you draw near to us. You're a God that hears, you're a God that sees, you're a God that cares. You're a personal God. Lord, you created us in your very image. We just want to rest and celebrate you today. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to worship. We love you. and We ask you to speak to us today. Lord, it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Again, we thank you for joining us for worship today. And uh, as we start this new series, Superheroes, and uh, I appreciate Kim Hayes. She did all the video work for that. And uh, if, if, if we looked good, it was because of her. And uh, so thank Kim for um, being willing to do that for us. And uh, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter number 2. Joshua chapter number 2. Now, as was already mentioned this morning, there is, uh, there's no perfect people in the room today. Not that I'm aware of. I may be the closest person to... No, I'm just kidding. My mom is here. I can't say that. She had said it straight. But I, I also want to say I'm, I know that I am, I am very, very blessed. I was blessed to be raised by a mom who loved Jesus who still loves Jesus and taught me how to love Jesus. I am blessed that my wife was raised by a mom who loves Jesus and taught her how to love Jesus. And I'm blessed that they're both in the room this morning. So I'm, I know I'm very blessed. And, uh, and I'm also blessed that my kids are raised by a lady who loves Jesus. And I understand that not everyone in the room uh, has that exact blessing. But I want, us to, I, I want you to know as we start this series uh, this morning... The superhero. Some of these people, you're, you're not even going to know their name. Uh, in fact, our kids this morning, are our kids out there, are you still awake, kids? Four of them are still awake. Maybe we will. Are you, are you still awake, kids? Okay. It's always that, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to talk in church. So they, if I ask you, you can answer, but that's great. Uh, their, their kids' bulletin today, it's a... Um, it's, it's, it's a it's a sneak peek of our sermon for next Sunday, okay? Because Monday, my plan was to preach that message. Tuesday, I changed my mind. Anybody ever change your mind? Yeah. All right, so I changed my mind. And so next week, you're going you're gonna, to, I'm not going to spoil it for you, all right? Spoiler, right? But if you want to steal a kid's bulletin and find out, you can do that. But most of these people we're going to talk about are not super familiar names, most of these people are just normal, ordinary people. And as you saw in the video, their, their superpower was not their ability. It was just that they were available for God. And God is wanting us. God is wanting you, not your great ability. Because I'll be the first to admit this morning, I, I'm not sure I have any, any great ability. You could say amen if you wanted to. My, my feelings a little bit, but I don't have any great gifting or ability but God is still, still able to use me, not, not really because of me, but maybe in, in spite of me. 
And all throughout Scripture, you're going to read story and story after story. And as in fact, when we were, were driving downtown Fort Worth this week to do some of those videos, uh, we, we started talking about this and thinking about that God just wants us to be available. In fact, we talked about the stories in the Bible, and even we're going to mention a few at the close of the message this morning, and, and we're going to be uh, pretty sensitive because it is family worship today, but there's stories in the Bible, and you read about stories in the Bible, and you think that if a man wrote this book, there's a lot of stories. L- let me rephrase that. If I wrote this book, there would have been a lot of stories I'd have left out. But God didn't leave the stories out, and I think there was a reason that God didn't leave these stories out, and the, and the reason is he wants you to know you don't have to have super ability, you just need availability. And so I'm going to give you some context. You're probably, hopefully, you already turned to Joshua chapter 2, but let me give you some to- context before we read the passage this morning, before we introduce our superhero this morning. So 40 years prior to this chapter, Joshua chapter 2, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Remember all the cool stories about Moses and and all the plagues, and, and finally the Egyptians say, and Pharaoh says, get out of my country. They cross the Red Sea miraculously. God destroys the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And Moses sends out 12 spies. You remember the story? Kids, you remember the story of the 12 spies? And the, the, no, all right, I'm going to tell you then. The, t- the 12 spies go out. Moses sends them out. Ten of the spies come back. And and remember, they're spying out the land that that, that God had already told them. I'm giving you the land. It's yours. Go and take it. It's a promise from God. I've given you land. And ten of the spies come back and say, wow, God's not big enough and the people are too big. That's the summary. Two of those twelve spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, God is big enough and God can give us the land. So you have two men, Joshua and Caleb, say God's big enough. Ten men that say God's not big enough. And what does Moses do? Who do the people believe? The two or the ten? They believe the ten. God's not big enough to handle my problems. Do you know that's a lie that Satan still tries to teach us today? That, that God's not big enough to handle your mess God's not big enough to handle your problems. And so the ten convinced the country and they convinced the leader, Moses, God's not big enough. And because they didn't have faith and because they didn't obey and because they didn't believe what God had already promised was going to happen, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible tells us that during those 40 years, every person that was over the age of 20 that didn't have enough faith to believe what God told them was going to happen, it was a 40-year death march is what it was. So for 40 years, as they died off, that's where we catch up in Joshua chapter 2. Moses is no longer the leader because he lacked faith. The people over 20 have all passed away. So guess who the oldest two people in the room are now, right? It's Joshua and Caleb because the two spies that had enough faith that say, God's bigger than my circumstances, God's bigger than my problems, God allowed them to live. And now Joshua, the oldest man around him and Caleb, is where we find the story. So Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 verse 1. Then Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and they lodged there. So so let's pause for a moment because Rahab is our, our hero for the day. 
She is our superhero. You, you heard in the video, probably not the, the thought when you came for Mother's Day service that we were going to have a message on Rahab the harlot, right? That's probably not what you were thinking this morning. And I begin to think about the circumstances. Obviously, she was well known in Jericho because the, the Israelite spies, the two spies that were sent in, where do they go? They, they go where every other guy seems to be going where maybe they could hide because it's normal for guys to come in and out. So they go in and they hide, and they're checking out. Again, they're doing the same thing that Joshua had done 40 years prior. I find it interesting that Joshua only sent two spies. Why do you suppose that is? He spent two spies, and those two spies go in, they go to Rahab's house. Now, so to think about in this context, in this culture, what was Rahab like? What got her to this position in life? My assumption this morning is that her goal as a little girl was not to be the career that she currently is in, is in. My thought is probably as she ran the streets of Jericho as a little girl that she thought, man, that's what I want to do with my life. And most historians would say there's two probable, most likely reasons that she would find herself in this circumstance. One would be that her father possibly sold her into that trade because he needed money. That was a terrible thing, but not necessarily uncommon in their culture. I think probably the, the other reason is what I would land to, to believe. Now, this is just theory, but that she was a widow. And because she was a widow in this culture, she had no way to provide herself for herself no way to get a job. She was an outcast. And she did what she had to do to live. Because later in the text, we're going to read that she wants to save her father and her mother and her sisters and brothers. And just, you know, just how I am, if that, my dad had put me in that position, I probably wouldn't have saved him. I mean, that's just me. But I think about words that maybe would describe... Rahab. It says one word, Rahab the, the harlot. But I think of words that maybe would define her when people saw her uh, down, walking down the street because it said everybody knew her. Used. Don't you think that was a word that, that she even defined herself by? What, what about broken? Think about the relationships that she didn't have, the relationships that were well, led to a broken life. What about guilt? Do you think she felt guilty? I'm not sure if she should have. I don't know the circumstances. But I bet she felt guilty. What about shame? Would you feel shame if you were in her position? I, I'm sure we would. What about rejected? Nobody wanted her. What about lonely? What a lifestyle. What about trapped, unloved? She had hurt, didn't she? What about fear? You think she was fearful, afraid, trapped? How can I get out of this situation? What about anger? I wonder who she was angry at. God, possibly. 
what she knew of God. Her parents, her husband. We don't, we don't know the whole backstory, but what are things unworthy? I, I think pain. Can you imagine living a life? The emotional pain, scars that she had. And this morning, although our circumstances may be different than Rahab, my guess that there's people in the room this morning, maybe a lot of people in the room this morning, that one of these words triggered something in you. That you're angry, you're hurt, you're lonely. And a lot of things happen from year to year, right? Maybe this year was the year that your family was faced with the big C word with cancer. Maybe you're swimming, maybe a better word is drowning in debt. Maybe there's hurt from your parents. Maybe there's hurt from your kids. But the story of Rahab, the reason she is a superhero today is because well, let's walk through this story. Will you go on this journey with me? Let's look in verse number 2. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. In other words, the king finds out there's spies in the city. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. And so again, the city knows, the king knows, the people know, where are the men going to go? Where are the strange men going to go? They're going to go to Rahab's house. Verse 4, then the, then the woman, or Rahab, took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I do not know where they are from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, the men went out where the men went, to, went I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. And so she tells them that they've gone. She had brought them to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as, and as, soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. She said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. And there's just a few things I want to point out in what we've already read. It's interesting to me that this lady, who is defined by these terms, living a lifestyle that none of us in the room would, would approve of, she hides these men of God, men from Israel, and she's approached by the king and his men, and the men have come with authority. And you know they have the authority to do whatever they want with her because she's really less than. And who does she fear more than the king and these men? She fears God, the God of Israel. I find it interesting that this woman, Rahab, had more fear of God and more faith in God than the ten spies did 40 years ago. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, 
And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage and hope because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. That's some powerful testimony of Rahab, the harlot of God, the creator. And she's going back 40 years. So she says, we have heard when, when you crossed the Red Sea. And so she's going back in history, recounting what happened 40 years earlier. And it just blows my mind to think that the nation of Israel, who watched the, the, all the plagues of Egypt and watched how God brought them out of Egypt and watched how the, the miracle of crossing over on dry ground, they watched the Egyptian army drowned in the same very river, the Red Sea there, and they lacked faith. And here Rahab, 40 years after the fact, has greater faith than those people who actually experienced what God did. And just kind of a side note, I wonder, we we don't know how old Rahab is. So possibly she's 50 years old and at the age of 10 she remembered as a young girl hearing the God of Israel is powerful. And she still believes it. Or maybe she wasn't even born yet. Maybe she's 30 years old and and 10 years before she was even born, this miracle happened. And as she was born into the city of Jericho, is it possible that her parents taught her more about God than the nation of Israel taught their kids about God? That's kind of a sad testimony, isn't it? I think it's a warning for us as parents. That it's our responsibility to teach our kids to know who God is, how powerful God is, and that God loves them. It's our responsibility as parents. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Verse number 3. And spare my, excuse me, verse 13, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell the business of ours, and it shall be, when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Verse 15, then she let them down by the rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And they escaped. Verse 16, she said to them, go to the mountain, let the pursuers meet. Pursuers meet you, hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless, verse 18, we come into the land, you, you bind this line and scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your sister's household to your own home. So what do they tell her? We and our God will save you if you throw this red scarlet cord out the window. Verse 19. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and he will be guiltless. Excuse me, we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. In other words, what they're saying is stay in your house, put the red scarlet cord out, and if you, all your brothers, sisters, father, if they stay in the house, then we will, not, we will not kill them. And if we do, we will be judged for it. 
Verse 20, and if you tell his, this business of ours, when we will be free from your oath, which you made us swear. In other words, keep it a secret. Verse 21, then she said, according to your word, so be it. She sent them away and they departed. She bound the scarlet cord in the window. This, this red scarlet cord is a reminder. It's a picture of what is going to take place. It's also a reminder of what's already taken place. It's a reminder, you remember when uh, the first Passover, when the, the Israelites were saved from Egypt and they put the blood of the lamb across the doorposts and when the angels saw the blood, they would pass over. And this is a picture of that moment when the, the blood, it's the blood, it's the blood that will save you. It's also a picture looking forward that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can all be saved. And that's what this picture is. Verse 22, they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain and crossed over and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. They sound like Joshua and Caleb, don't they? Surely the Lord has delivered us. Surely the Lord will protect us. But the last part of that verse is, I think, pretty interesting. Look, look it's, it's on the screen. You look on your Bible, verse 24. It says, and they said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. And the rest of the verse gives us an understanding of why they had such courage and such boldness. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Now, they weren't really faint-hearted because of the Israelites. But who were they scared of? The God of the Israelites. I wonder, 40 years ago, when Moses led the people of Israel, the people of Jericho... According to Rahab's testimony, feared God. What would have happened if those ten men would have had as much faith as Rahab has? They wouldn't have been on a 40-year death march. And I think it's interesting that these two spies are encouraged in their faith because of the testimony of Rahab. Now, if you want to just kind of skim through your Bible, we're, we're not going to read the next chapters. And on your bulletin, there's, there's a small, not really a typo, I just gave the wrong reference. On the top at the, where it gives the reference, and it says Joshua 3, it's actually going to be Joshua chapter 6, verses 15, 15 through 27. But in, chap, in chapter 3, the nation of Israel crosses the Jordan, similar to the miracle uh, God performed with Moses crossing the Red Sea. They cross the Jordan River. Then in chapter 4, they put the memorial stones in the river, 12, one from each tribe. Then in chapter 5, so look at chapter 5 and verse number 1 with me. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea 
heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. Their heart melted. There was no more spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. So the same thing that happened 40 years ago when they crossed the Red Sea, the people feared the nation of Israel. They feared their God, and it's, it's on repeat. We're at the same exact time in history, seemingly 40 years later. And are the people of Israel going to have enough faith to do what God has asked them to do? Chapter 6, the first few verses of chapter 6, Joshua gets the battle plan from the Lord. The next few verses, Joshua relays the battle plan to the people. And I'm guessing they were a little blown away by this wonderful battle plan. And then the next part of the chapter, beginning in verse 10 through 15, they begin to execute the battle plan. You remember what the battle plan was, right? I'm sure the kids in here remember. So remember the walls of Jericho and God told Joshua that they're supposed to walk around one time around the city each day for six days. And on the seventh day, how many times, kids, I want to see if you can remember the answer. On the seventh day in the city of Jericho, how many times were the people of Israel supposed to walk around the walls of Jericho? Anybody remember? Say it louder. Seven, that's right. Can we say it loud together, all of us on the count of three? Ready, one, two, three. Seven. Seven times. So chapter 6, let's begin in verse 14. The second day they marched around the city and returned to the camp. So they did this six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day. They arose early, about the dawn of the day, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city how many times? Seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets. The Joshua had said for the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 17, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It all, or who in it? Only Rahab the harlot shall live, and all who are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels, bronze and, and iron, are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into his treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted with the priests, blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell down flat. Can you imagine what Rahab was thinking as this was taking place? Now, most of us, most of you in the room, I, I'm going to assume, are similar to me that you grew up uh, in Tornado Alley, right? We're in Texas. We kind of know about tornadoes. And uh, if, if there's a tornado coming, what are you, where are you supposed to go? You're supposed to go indoors, right? And you're supposed to hide in, you know, in interior walls. Uh, my dad seemed to like to go chase them in the middle of Kansas, but that's a whole, we'll save that for Father's Day. And, um, but what, where are you supposed to go when an earthquake happens when an earthquake takes place where are you supposed to go outside right you're not supposed to stay in the walls supposed to go outside how many of you ever been in an earthquake okay when uh it's been probably i don't know 18 years ago i had to think about it It was before my daughter was born so maybe 19 years ago we were in california and i've never been in an earthquake it's three o'clock in the morning 
And I thought someone was sh- shaking the door trying to get into our room. Everything was rattling. And it didn't even, you know, early in the morning, it didn't even process in my mind that this, this is an earthquake. So I got up and I'm like, who's trying to get in the door? I open the door and, and I look out the hallway and guess what I see down the hallway? Everybody else sticking their head out the hallway. I'm like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it hits me. It's an earthquake. Where am I supposed to go? Thank you. Outside. And you know what I did at three or four in the morning? I went right back to sleep. I looked out the window. I don't see anybody freaking out. I'm good. My wife stayed up and watched TV the whole time, but I protected her by sleeping. Think about the the faith it took for Rahab to stay in her house. As she sees them marching around and the yells and the screams and the trumpets and the walls start crashing. What, What is the normal reaction going to be? To run. She's got to deal with God, right? Stay in and I'll protect you. Sometimes it, the, only, the only common sense thing to do is, is not what God's asking us to do. What would have made sense for her to do is to, to run. What did God want her to do? Stay. What was going to save her that day? It's her faith. Am I going to do what God has asked me to do even when it doesn't make sense? Why would God save someone like me? Do you think that she had those doubts? In, her, in the history of her life, how many men do you think she trusted? These foreigners, these strangers, our God is big enough to protect you. But it's going to take some faith, isn't it? This, this morning, whatever word you identified with, I don't know what God's asking you to do. I don't know what God's trying to show you, reveal, or teach. But I know that, that you're not going to get on the other side of that without taking a step of faith. And just saying, God... Let me show you some cool verses, all right? I think they're on the, the bulletin for you. In fact, just get, you can just get your bulletin out, and, and I'll read them from there. But we're going to go in reverse order, all right? James chapter 2. It's right there on your bulletin. James chapter 2, verse 25. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. So this, this is crazy. This is um, a God thing here. This, this lady in the Old Testament, Rahab, now we're reading about her in the book of James in the New Testament. And she's been used in the same context, in the same um, critical thinking James is, is laying out about Abraham. So James has just said, just like Abraham was justified by his works when he was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. And the very next verse, just like Rahab. So what was James saying? Rahab's faith was proved by her actions. 
Her actions were, there were many actions. She had to keep her mouth shut and not tell everyone. She had to lay the cord out representing the blood of Jesus Christ. She had to stay and obey even when it didn't seem like that was the wisest thing to do. And her faith was proved by her what? Her actions. And that's what James, the point he's trying to prove. Because later he would say, faith without works is what? Dead. So read the next verse and we're climbing up here. Hebrews 11 31. And, and again, it's amazing. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter or the heroes of the faith. And Rahab is mentioned in the heroes of faith. And what does it say about her? Hebrews eleven thirty one. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So read the, read the words. By faith, harlot, uh, the harlot Rahab, Rahab excuse me, did not perish with those who what? What is that saying she did do? She believed. And because she believed, she obeyed. Her obedience was a result of her faith. What if 40 years earlier... Those ten spies would have had enough faith to obey. I'm thankful Rahab had enough faith to obey. But let's keep reading. So the next passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter, uh, 13, uh, Matthew chapter 1. It's interesting, uh, as Matthew gives us the genealogy of Christ, most oftentimes, especially in this culture, you're not going to find too many females listed in the genealogy because that's not how they trace the genealogy. But in the genealogy of Christ in Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to go and read the first couple verses. I don't think they're going to be on the screen for you, but number one says, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. In verse number three, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by a lady named Tamar. So there's probably two somewhat familiar, depending on how familiar you are with Scripture, Tamar's in the Bible. One is the daughter of David, the sister of Absalom. That's not the one where, that's mentioned here. This is prior to that. This Tamar's husband died, so she tricked her father-in-law, Judah, into having a baby with her. That's kind of gross, right? We won't, we, we won't go into more detail. I think you guys can figure it out what we're talking about. But Tamar is one of four women mentioned even with the dark past that she had. But, but let's keep reading. By Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz by who? Rahab. Rahab was the mother of Boaz? And what, what is Boaz's nickname? Who does he picture? He's the kinsman, what's the word? 
Redeemer. Who is he picturing? Jesus, our Redeemer. Rahab enters the story. What if she wouldn't have had faith? What if she had ran out of the room? What if she hadn't obeyed God in spite of the circumstances? Verse 5, Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by who? Ruth. And whose child was Ruth? Jesse. Who was Jesse's son? David. Let's keep reading. Jesse begot David as a king, verse six, verse 6. David the king begot Solomon, by whom he had his wife of Uriah the Hittite. So who was Solomon's mother? Bathsheba. I find it very interesting that four, the four women that are chosen to be placed into the genealogy of Christ are four women who had a past. But what does that speak to us this morning? Because the, the truth is, we said the statement earlier, and there's no perfect people here, and, and probably one of these words in some way describes you, or you at least feel yourself described by that word. So on your outline this morning, just four things real quickly this morning. Lessons we can learn from the, the grandmothers of Jesus. The first one is Tamar. I gave you what she did with her father-in-law. But what does that say to us? Tamar, even your darkest sins can be what? Forgiven. Kind of makes me think of that phrase that we keep going over for probably the last four or five weeks, that God can turn my mess into his what? His message. Darkest sins can be forgiven. And, And maybe this morning... That one statement is why you're here. You need to know this morning that God's big enough to forgive you. God loves you enough to forgive you. God proved his love for you by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross to make the payment for your sin so you can be forgiven. I'm thankful that the Bible doesn't hide these stories from us. Because these stories sound a lot like some of our stories. And it brings hope to me to know that no matter what I've done, no matter what past I might have, no sin is too big for God to forgive. Rahab, regardless of your past, you can be used. I'm glad that God gives second chances, aren't you? I'm glad God gives... Third chances and fourth chances and many chances, right? Ruth. Remember the story of Ruth? She was all alone in a foreign land, a foreigner. Husband had died, no one to take care of her. And Boaz, the Redeemer, rescues her. What does Ruth say to us? What does her story tell us? God has not forgotten you. Maybe like Rahab, 
you feel lonely, forgotten. Just be very clear this morning. Whatever hurt you have today, God knows. God cares. God has not forgotten you. The fourth one, Bathsheba. God can redeem any situation. Aren't you, aren't you thankful that God can redeem any situation? I want to ask them to put on the, on the screen this morning the verse Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And here's what I want us to understand this morning. No matter what our anger, what our brokenness, we feel used, abused, angry, guilty, fear, rejected, alone. What do these verses say? Look at verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. God can forgive you of your sins. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Why did Jesus come and die on the cross? Why can I stand here before you today and say that you can be forgiven? Why do you stand here and say you don't have to feel guilty, you don't have to feel anger, you don't have to feel hurt, you don't have to feel alone? God remembers you, God knows you, and God wants you to be redeemed. Aren't you thankful for the story of the Bible? I want to close your eyes for a moment. Rahab is a superhero because... She made herself available to God. She realized that no sin was too big for God to forgive. She realized that her past wasn't so bad that God couldn't use her. She realized that her story could be redeemed. And this morning, I want you to understand that this morning, that no matter how good you've been, how bad you've been, everyone in the room needs to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why God sent his son to die on the cross, to pay the penalty of your sin debt. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of my sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And the reason that Rahab can have a redeemed story is because she placed her faith in God. The reason that I have a redeemed story is because I placed my faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. The way you can have a redeemed story, the way that God can take your mess into his message is that you give your life to Jesus Christ and that you come just like the scarlet thread under the blood of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to ask very quickly, we're not going to be long. Would anybody in here this morning say, John, I have never given my life to Jesus. My story has not been redeemed. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you, as our eyes are closed, would you just put your hand up for a moment? I just want to pray for you. Just, just admitting this morning, John, my story has not been redeemed. I've not given my life to Jesus Christ. Would you put your hand up right now? Hold it up for high for a moment. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you. Just put your hand up for a moment. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to acknowledge and I want to pray for you. Anyone else this morning, just put your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else, just keep it up for a moment. I'm sorry, thank you in the back. 
Here's what I want you to do. You can put your hands down. In a moment, we're going to stand. Some of us are going to be here at the front and we're going to be facing you. And if you would like to know how God can redeem your story, then I'm going to ask you to come forward. We'll be standing here. You can shake our hand and say, I want to know how to be redeemed. We would love to take the time to show you through God's word how God can redeem your story. Would anyone in here this morning that say, John, some of these words that you put on the whiteboard, I identified with those. And I need to talk to God about it today. If that's you this morning, would you just put your hand up? I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that? Just put your hand up. Just put it up. Several of us. Just put it up. No reason to be ashamed of that. What I want you to do this morning, put your hands down. What I want you to do this morning, in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to have a time of worship. If you'd like for one of us to pray with you about that, we would love to. If you'd like coming forward this morning, just kneel and pray by yourself and give it to God. I would encourage you to do that. We're not going to get past the hurt or the anger or the guilt or the shame or the regret or the loneliness until we take the step of faith. And God's waiting there. Ben read the scripture in Psalms. He draws near to those who are brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. James says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Take a step towards God today. God, we are blessed to be here. Lord, thank you for the story of ordinary men and women. Thank you for the faith of Rahab. Lord, it blows my mind that this one lady, just hearing the testimony of your power, had more faith than the nation of Israel. Lord, may we, as believers, have faith to trust you, to surrender to you, to seek forgiveness, to seek healing. Lord, may we reach out to you today as Lord, you're just waiting, you're right there. Give us faith today. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna worship one of my favorite songs, come to the altar this morning. And if God has spoken to you, maybe you just wanna come and pray. That's a good time to do it today.